You ever had a hard time letting go of something? Anybody? Kairos, it's great to be with you. There's something just nostalgic about this room for me, isn't there? I tell you what, doesn't it feel nice just kind of be, yeah, okay, why not? Yeah, why not? Um, you, guys, you guys are great. You guys are really cool. We've worshiped in a lot of different locations together as a ministry, and uh, you guys just embrace it every single time. So uh, give God praise for yourself. How about that, huh? Yeah, you guys are so cool. You're my best friends. And my name is Danny. Nice to meet you. Uh, I'm so glad that I get to be here tonight. I'm a pastor here, and we believe it's no accident that you're here. We've been praying for you, and so we're so glad to be able to worship with you tonight. This is the final week of our series called Forgiven. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm forgiven, baby. baby. Don't say that too passionately. Turn to the person next to you again and say, so are you. Tonight, we are doing part two of How to Forgive. How to Forgive, part two. I'm going to take you back to that opening clip with the panda having a hard time to let go. Who here has ever had a hard time letting go of something? I've had a hard time, yeah, a lot of us. We have a hard time letting go of things. When I was a kid, I had a little dog. It wasn't a real dog. It was a stuffed animal dog, and his name was Warrior, named after the Waukee Warriors. Anybody? Come on. Anybody? I tell you what, you don't offend someone until you offend their high school. Man, or bring up their rival. Anyway, I had this little stuffed dog. His name was Warrior, and I got it from my parents for a birthday when I was really little. And uh, I wasn't only little when I appreciated that dog. I mean, like, I got into preteen years, and I still slept with it. I got into high school and, like, still kept it somewhere in the bed. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then when I went to college, I had a decision to make. I, I felt terrible, but I had to let go. I want you to know that Warrior still lives in the safety and comfort of my parents' home, but I had to let go and that wasn't easy. When I was a sophomore in high school, um, I was taking a final in Mrs. Schmidt-Lloyd's biology class, and, uh, and somebody shouted out from the back of the class in the middle of the final, would you just let it go? And we're all confused. What, did, what is he talking about? We learned about this at the beginning of the semester. <laughs> would you just let it go? You got a new line for your finals when they come up. Tell your professor, would you just let it go? I'm not a person of the past. I'm a new beginning, baby. That's all you have to tell them. Some of the things that are, that are hardest in life to let go of are not material things. It's not informational things, but instead it's the things that hurt us. Anybody here ever been hurt? Yeah. I've been hurt before. It hurts. It's tough. That's why they call it being hurt. If you've ever been hurt, you know that sometimes it's really hard to let go of the thing that hurt you. It's really hard to let go of thinking of that person as the one who hurt you. But tonight I want to talk to you about letting those things go. I'm gonna tell you this right now, it's not easy. It is not going to be easy to let certain things go, especially the pains, the heartbreaks, the hangups, the things that someone did to hurt you. I'm not gonna tell you tonight that this will be the simplest thing you ever do. But I do want you to know that sometimes the best things in life are on the other side of a big challenge. And I really believe, I really believe that there's so much more to your life than hanging on to the things that have hurt you. So we're gonna be careful about this talk tonight. We're gonna be real about this talk tonight. But we're gonna believe that God's got something for us in it. Not like in this talk specifically, but in forgiveness. This is very central to anybody who says that they follow Jesus. This isn't just a side thing. This isn't a marginal issue for Christians. It's at the very center of it. 
If we look at the very center story of Christianity, we see Jesus hanging on a cross. You heard this in the Bible reading tonight where it says, when they came to the school, they nailed Jesus to the cross. And what would you do if someone nailed you to a cross for no good reason? I mean, Jesus should be calling down curses on these people. And yet it shocks us when we read to see him say, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. This isn't a marginal issue for Christians. This is at the center of what we believe. Jesus calls his followers to be forgiveness people. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a forgiveness person. And maybe you don't believe it yet, but I do believe that you can get there. Again, I'm not saying that it's easy. It's hard. Let me tell you this. Sometimes it's not just hard to be hurt, but it's hard to see the people that you care about hurt. I want you to know this. I really care about you guys. You mean a lot to me. When people who know me really well and they talk to me, <laughs> people actually talk to me. <laughs> but when people who know me really well talk to me, they ask me about Kairos because they know I can't help it. I talk about you all the time. The same thing goes for Haley and Matthew and Holden. Like, we just talk about you guys. We love this thing. We love that you show up. We love you guys. And so if there's something that bothers you, if there's something that hurts you, it hurts me too. It's sad and it's hard. And I think one of the reasons why it hurts so much when we see somebody that we care about hurting is because we can't, like, we can't fix it. I can't do something that's going to fix it for you. And I so badly wish that this talk could go like that tonight. I wish that we could walk out of this room tonight and just be fixed. This morning, I was praying over one of our students who shared with me some things that's going on in his life. And as I'm praying, I actually began to weep because I just like, I can't fix it. I can't fix sin. I can't fix what someone's done to you. You can't fix what someone's done to your loved ones either. But this morning, I also saw this passage in Psalm chapter 56. It says, you have collected all of my tears in your bottle. Not a single one of your sorrows goes to waste. Every single thing that hurts you, God keeps track of in his records. Every single thing. And so sometimes I get to the point of feeling overwhelmed and I cry because I'm just so sad because I can't do something about it. I want to, but I can't. And so sometimes when we can't do anything at all, we cry. But when all we have left to offer is tears because there's nothing else we can do, God says, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep record of every single one of those tears. And God promises, I'm not going to let them go to waste. God takes the thing that we offer when we have nothing left to offer and he promises, I'm gonna hold on to this and I'm not holding on to this in vain. You have a God who cares so much about you. And unlike us, God does have the ability to fix sin. God does have the ability to make the world right. And so I'm asking you, trust the God who went to a cross for you and endured the worst kind of pain, the worst kind of hurt, not just in the physical sense, but in the spiritual and the emotional sense. His loved ones, the people who were cheering him on just a week later, murdering him. I mean, he was rejected, abandoned, abused, hated. And from the cross, that God who loves you so much that he will collect every single one of your tears, he cries from the cross, forgive them. I just want to invite you to trust that God, that he knows what he's talking about, that he knows what he's doing when he tells us to forgive. I think one of the reasons why we have such a hard time with forgiveness, especially with the big things, 
You know, last week we talked about the small little offenses that trip us up, but this week we're talking about the big things that sometimes feel like, uh, they sometimes feel like they're altering our life. I think the reason why we have such a hard time forgiving is because we misunderstand what forgiveness is. When we hear Jesus say from the cross, Father, forgive them, what we hear sometimes is, Father, ignore it. Father, forget it. Father, pretend like it didn't happen. Father, let's just have everything go back to the way that it was. Father, ignore my pain. Pretend like it's not real. But that's not what forgiveness is. The word that's used for forgiveness here is this. It's afiemi. Everybody say afiemi. And we translate it as to forgive, but what it quite literally means is to let go. It's to let go. Everybody go, let go. And I'm not talking about in the frozen kind of way, like let it go, let it go, can't hold me back anymore. I don't even know what that song's actually about. But I'm not talking about in a sense of like, I'm just going to pretend like it's not out there. I'm actually going to release this. I'm actually going to set it free. It doesn't belong to me anymore. When I was a kid, um, I want to tell you about the first time that I encountered violence. It's not a very uh, significant amount of violence, but nonetheless, it was violence. When I was really young, I was playing with my friend Michael Scott, not the guy from The Office, but I actually had a neighbor named Michael Scott. I looked him up on Facebook today. He's doing well, married with some kids. Anyway, Michael Scott and I were having a dirt clod war. What? I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, I feel like a loser. So anyway, um, <laughs> you all just collectively this guy. So we're having a dirt clod war. Uh, there was some construction taking place to the park near our house. So we went over there and there were all these dirt clods, right? Like you could pick up these dirt clods and we just chucked them at each other. Now for the most part, it was fine because it was soft, right? And so it hits you and it breaks and there's no problem whatsoever. Maybe you got some dirt on your shirt, but it's not the end of the world. But at one point, Michael picks up a dirt clod without probably paying very much attention to it. And when this one hits me, it doesn't break into pieces. Instead, it breaks my skin. It was a completely dried out, rock thick dirt clod. And it hurt. And it hit me right here. And as I'm screaming because it hurt, I see blood coming down in front of my eye. And now I'm really screaming. Ow! I experienced violence and I was very angry, right? Now, Michael is a good friend. He was a really nice kid. Immediately, immediately he rips off his shirt and he puts it on my head. I'll fix it for you. But the problem was, is as he's shoving the shirt in my face, I feel pieces of the hard dirt clod digging deeper into the wound because it was a messy wound. It was gross. It wasn't just blood. I mean, it was blood and dirt, and it's a gross combination. And he's making it worse by trying to fix it. And he just keeps pushing. I run home, and I'm screaming like, Mom! Someone tried to kill me today! No, of course not. You know, um, he was trying so hard to fix it, and I wonder if what he needed to do was let go. I get home, I'm screaming, I'm crying to my mom, like, mom, help me, help me, make it go away. But I'm, I'm holding it, right? And I'm blocking it. She's like, Danny, if I'm gonna fix this, you're gonna have to let go. Sometimes forgiveness is so hard because it's so messy, right? There are more things in that wound than we're aware of. It's dirty. There's a lot going on in there. 
And we think we're going to fix it by holding on. You're not going to fix it by holding on. You go to your father who loves you and cares for you. And he says, I can fix it, but I want you to let go of it. I want you to give it to me. When we think about forgiveness as letting it go, let's think about our Bible passage from last week in Matthew chapter 18. If you remember this story, there was a man who owed a huge debt to another guy. Huge debt, millions of dollars is what it would basically be translated into today. And the person who was owed money forgave the man. Now the person who is set free from the debt, he goes off and he finds someone else who owes him just a little bit of money. And it says that he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. I think that when Jesus is calling us to forgive, he's saying, let go of the throat. You got to let this go. You are not bringing new life into the world. You are taking life away. Sometimes when we refuse to forgive, it's because we're holding something so tight. And we're like, I'm going to fix it. And Jesus says, no, you can't fix it. Let go of the throat. Let it go. So forgiveness is letting go. And I think that that starts to alter and change what we believe about forgiveness. And we realize what forgiveness is actually not, right? So let's talk about what forgiveness is not. When Jesus talked about this story about this man, I wonder if it was hard for people to hear that and say, oh, what, so he's just supposed to forget entirely that the man owed him any debt whatsoever? Is he just supposed to allow him to continue to do that? And sometimes I want to ask Jesus that question. Hold on, you want me to forgive? Do you want me to just continue to let that person in my life and hurt me the exact same way? And the truth is no. And we know that because just, because just before Jesus tells the story about the unforgiving debtor, he also shares a story about how we should confront sin and what it really means. And in this story, what we're going to learn is that forgiveness is not ignoring, forgetting, or excusing. It is not tolerating abuse. Let me tell you this. If you are currently being hurt, if you are currently being abused, if someone is currently unrepentant about the things that are hurting you and they just continue to do it, your first objective is not to forgive that person. Your first objective is to get to a place where you are safe. You cannot forgive someone when you're still bleeding. You cannot forgive someone when you're still hurting, when you're still being struck. You need to get to a place where you're safe. Jesus tells this story about, about, about confronting sin and about forgiving it and what it really looks like. And it is not reconciliation. It is not restoration. Reconciliation, restoration take two people. That's the end goal. But you could forgive someone if they never even apologized to you at all. But you're going to have to find that space first. You're going to have to be in a safe spot. Forgiveness is also not barring consequences. It doesn't mean that there's never going to be a consequence to this role, to, to this action. It does not mean that every single thing that we used to have is going to be what we're going to have in the future just because I said I forgive you. Forgiveness does not mean that we go in there and we say, I want you to continue to abuse me. That's not loving. To allow someone to continue to abuse you, that is not loving. You're instead allowing that person to continue to sin. And Jesus says, I want to show you how to stop sin. I want to show you how to put an end to it. And so just before that story about the unforgiving debtor, Jesus tells another story. He gives another lesson in Matthew chapter 18. He says this, if there's this, another believer who sins against you, go to that person privately and point out the offense. Remember, forgiveness is not ignoring. 
It's not pretending something's not real. Instead, you go to that person. You say, this bothered me. Now, if that's not safe, and if that person does not repent, if that person does not admit, yes, I did a wrong thing, then it says, if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you. What are we doing in that situation? We're not going back to that person just saying, oh, I'm going to get you this time. What it's doing is I'm creating more space between you and me. Because you're not seeing what you did was wrong, and it's not safe for me to be right next to you. Instead, there needs to be some separation between the two of us for more people to come in here and say, you've done something wrong, and it needs to stop. This is very clear. You can forgive someone who has abused you, but does not mean that you ever have to be in a room with that person one-on-one ever again. In fact, I think it's even more deliberate than that. If someone has abused you and they're not repentant about it, you should never be in a room with that person again one-on-one. You should never be alone in a room with someone who's abusing you. Create space. Create space. You can't fix it by continuing to hold on to it like that. You're going to have to let it go and create some space. Jesus says, and let's make this group a little bit bigger. If the person still refuses to listen, take your, take your case to the church. Now, in those days, it wasn't necessarily probably like the big, huge church, even people of this size. It's not like, okay, to one person, you'd show up to them with 300 other people and say, listen to them. <laughs> Instead, I'd think more like your small group. You'd bring more people in there. You're creating more space. But I also want to note, it's still taking it to that person. I think that a lot of times we try to fix sin in the most illogical way whatsoever. You know what I mean? Like, instead of taking it to the person, we take it to every single other person in the world. Did you hear what Roxanne did to me? (laughs) I'm choosing Roxanne because I don't think anybody in here's name is Roxanne. If you're Roxy, I'm sorry. Did you hear what they did to me? And everybody else in the world finds out about it except them. And we think, that's going to fix it. That didn't fix it. Because the person who did the wrong for the rest of their lives is going to think, I didn't do anything wrong. It's not life-giving. Instead, it's holding it on and bringing it for everyone else to see. Jesus says, do this the right way. Create space. Take it that person. Seek repentance. Seek an end to sin. Seek forgiveness. Jesus then again says in Matthew chapter 18, if, she or, if he or she won't accept, treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax collector. Don't you just love the Bible? <laughs> but I have, I have a question for you. Have you ever read the stories of Jesus? How does he treat pagans and tax collectors? Ooh. He asks them to be a part of his life. Sometimes when you, forgive, when you forgive someone, it means space. It means distance. It means boundaries. But it doesn't mean that you gave up hoping for that person. It doesn't mean that you can stop praying for that person. It doesn't mean that you stop hoping that uh, God's going to change that person's heart. There's a very convicting passage in Luke chapter 11, when Jesus teaches us how to pray. A lot of you know this prayer. If you know it, will you say it with me? We'll say it slow. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Stop. 
God, forgive us in the way that we forgive others. <laughs> oh. Jesus says, when you ask God for forgiveness, say, I want you to ask God for forgiveness in the same way that you're forgiving other people. Well, <laughs> about that. Are you trying to forgive people or are you trying to fix them? We get problems when we try to fix stuff, right? And we won't let it go. Just today, I was just sitting in my office and there was a fly buzzing around. And I'm, I'm like, this, this fly is, I mean, this is persecution at its finest. I can't focus. I can't get to my work. I, I'm distracted. I'm angry. I'm short-tempered. If someone comes in here, I'm like, get out! I couldn't get over it. I couldn't keep my eyes off the fly, right? I couldn't let it go. Now, I'm like not, this isn't my first rodeo, right? And so always around me, I have, you know what I'm saying? And I went from working to hunting. I needed to find my prey, and I needed to destroy it. I couldn't let it go, right? So I'm going around my office. You know what I mean? I'm thinking, I'm fixing this right now. I'm going to do this. Unfortunately, when you're swinging your arms so far over the place, you don't always pay attention to where you're swinging, especially when you're in your office and you have things that you care about. I don't know, like a picture of your family. And then it shatters because it hits the ground. It's strange because this is a picture that I'm pretty much cropped out of, so maybe it was... Okay, I'm serious. If you want to take a look at it later, it's like, Christy, John, Mom, Dad, eh. The other guy. But isn't it funny? Sometimes when we're so stuck on not being able to forgive because we're holding on to something so tight, we actually end up hurting other things in our life. Are you having a really hard time getting over something? Are you having a really hard time looking past something? Are you having a really hard time moving on? Are you having a really hard time letting go? Are you so focused on that thing? Letting go. Are you so focused on that thing that you're having a hard time living and loving the people around you? It's interesting. Sometimes when we're so focused on that thing, we're just swinging, we won't let it go, and we're trying to fix it, we end up actually like hurting other people around us and breaking our relationships. Listen, forgiveness is not all about the person who you're trying to forgive. Forgiveness is about your freedom. You were not meant to carry this stuff. You were not meant to hold on to it. Jesus says that the unforgiving debtor needs to let go of the throat of the person in front of him that he refuses to forgive. But the truth is, is when we're reaching out and we're holding on to somebody else's throat, simultaneously we're holding on to ours. Forgiveness is like breathing. And as you breathe in to receive more air, you got to release it. Everybody go ahead and take a deep breath. And just hold it, you know? It, like, if you medically should not do that, please don't. But you take a deep breath. Eventually, you got to let it out. You're going to have such a hard time receiving God's grace and the gifts that God wants to give you if you're so focused on that thing that you can't let go of. 
I'm not telling you to forgive somebody because what they did didn't matter. Jesus doesn't command us to forgive other people because we should just go back to the way that things were. Jesus says, forgive people because this is not your burden to carry. You can't fix it. You can't fix sin. You can't fix your sin. You can't fix somebody else's sin. But God can. So we need to let go of it and give it to him. My uh, great-grandmother, she lived in Alaska. And uh, she uh, had a walk that she would take every single day. And as she got older, her daughter and then her daughter's daughter would go with her. And she'd push her granddaughter in a stroller. Then there was a crazy guy in Alaska who decided he wanted to reenact the JFK assassination. So he found a building, he stood on top of it, and he said, I'm going to shoot the first person who, dra- who walks across or who passes by me. First person who walks past is my great-grandma, accompanied by her daughter and her granddaughter. And this man followed through. They walk by and he shoots my great-grandma. Crazy story. I never met her. Um, she died long before. She didn't die specifically from getting shot that day. Um, she survived it. But I think that I know a lot about who she is based on this story. She's in the hospital, and she says, I want to see the guy who shot me. I want to see him. OK, they bring him in. He's wearing the handcuffs. He's in police custody. They sit him down at the bed. What would you say to the guy who shot you? What would you say to the guy who put a bullet in the direction of your daughter and your granddaughter? What would you pray over them? Yeah, maybe you'd pray over them, but you'd only pray, I wish that you'd just put them down to death, God. I wish you'd send them to hell. She looked at him and she said, you don't let this ruin your life. And if I just hear that part of the story, I get a little bit bothered because I say, that's not, that's not fair. And I live in a world where I, I want fairness. Anybody else here like fairness? I want fairness. But if you're so caught up in fairness, you're not going to keep living. You'll keep on holding on to those things, looking for ways to find that person who hurt you and give to them what, you, what they did to you. It's not the way to go about it. She said, you don't let this ruin your life. And then she said, because I'm not going to let it ruin mine. And three weeks later, when she got out of the hospital, she went on her walk. You don't get to stop me. You don't have to wish for the person who hurt you to have a ruined life, because they didn't get to ruin yours. Jesus is on the cross. They didn't ruin his life. He was saving theirs. So how do you forgive? How do we do it? Well, let's follow the example of Jesus. Jesus cries out from the cross, Father, forgive them. So if you're having a hard time doing it, ask God to forgive them first. Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Pray for them. Pray for them in a way that says, God, forgive them. I'm having a hard time. I don't have the feelings for it yet. But let me tell you this. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is an action. 
And I've noticed, the longer that I'm living, the more I'm noticing is that my feelings in life follow my actions, and it's not the other way around. Sometimes when my actions follow my feelings, I'm completely out of control. But when my feelings follow my actions, then I'm living a life with purpose. Then I'm living a life with freedom. The second thing we can do is we can rebel against evil. You might think, oh, yes, rebel. That's what I like. That's the part of the sermon I wanted to get to. Let's rebel against it. Well, if you pay back evil with evil, the only thing that you're doing is following the example of evil. You're telling evil, I like the way that you live, and I want to do the same. To rebel against evil is to do the opposite of evil. To rebel against evil is to love. Martin Luther King Jr. famously said that uh, darkness, can't, or light, uh, darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light has the strength to do that. In the same way, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love has the power to do that. And Jesus, on the cross, says to his enemies, forgive them. He was rebelling against evil. Go ahead, rebel against evil. Do the exact opposite of it. And then finally, release it. Release it. But always remember who you're releasing it to. For the third time, let me bring up this slide. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Who are you releasing it to? Who are you giving it to? You're not just sending it out nowhere. This is my favorite part about forgiveness, right? I'm not just saying, it dissipated in the air. I'm giving it to someone who can handle it. First Peter, it tells us this. It says, Jesus, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. When I'm releasing what's been done to me, when I'm letting it go, what am I doing? I'm not just sending it out into nowhere. I am deliberately and intentionally saying, God, I can't handle this. I want you to take it for me. I want you to take it for me. This is what forgiveness is. This is what forgiveness looks like, right? It's like taking all the dirt in our life, right? Some of it's hard. Some of it hurts. And it's left its mark on us. And when we forgive someone, we give that to God. And we say, God, I want you to take this. And I believe that you are the God who can take the dirty, messy things in my life, the things that led me to do absolutely nothing else, the things that led me, led me to a place of helplessness. I couldn't do anything else. And Lord, I believe that you have the power to take those dirty things the messy things in my life, and you will use even my pain to grow something beautiful, to bring new life. Obviously, I can't create a plant in five seconds, but I don't want this illustration to go to waste and make you wonder. <laughs> you see that? God's going to bring life out of the worst things in your life. When you had nothing else to do but cry, God can use those tears because he's stored every single one of them in his bottle. He's kept record of all of your sorrows. And he's gonna give you life. To be alive means to be free. To be unforgiving means to be trapped. To be unforgiving means to, to be suffocating yourself. 
But as we receive God's forgiveness, we release God's forgiveness to the world. I'm letting this go because it doesn't belong to me. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm letting this go. Now say it with some confidence. I'm letting this go. Yeah. Let me leave you with this. Forgiveness is not about what someone deserves. It's about what we desire. Say that word with me at the end. Ready? Freedom. Say it again. Freedom. One more time. Freedom. Anybody want freedom from the things that have hurt them? Anybody want freedom from the things that they believed had ruined their life? Does anybody want freedom from the things that they thought were going to put an end to all of their dreams? Does anybody want freedom from the things that hurt them, from the things that crushed them, from the things that oppressed them, from the things that believe damaged them? You are not a damaged person because God is a gardener and God takes the most messy looking things and he brings life out of it. You cannot be too damaged for God. Do you hear that? God is the ultimate gardener. You cannot be too damaged. He can always bring life out of your circumstances in your situations. Release it to him. Let it go to him. As I was praying over this this week and as I was talking with that friend and talking about uh, having a hard time to forgive, this image came to my mind and I just need to share it with you all. Anybody here ever been to Yellowstone, like the most beautiful place in the country, right? And you look around, like there's these beautiful scenes. This isn't exactly Yellowstone. It's a little south of Yellowstone. The picture that's in the background, it's in Montana. But it's a park like that, right? And I remember going to Yellowstone when I was a kid, and there's all these incredible sights and scenes. It was moving, right? And every single sight and scene, they had a sign. And at the sign, it said, look, there's the beauty. But the crazy thing is in every single national park that I've ever been to, all of these signs are so old that they're worn down and they're kind of ugly at this point. And if I just stare at the sign, right? If I just stare at the sign, and I'm just so focused on the sign, I will say, this sign is hideous. It's ugly. It's ruined. There's a little knot in the wood, for goodness sakes. But if I back up and provide just a little bit of space and approach it the way that God asks me to approach it, the way that Jesus says for us to approach it, provide yourself some space, see what the sign says, and you'll see that the sign says, turn around, the most beautiful thing that you've ever dreamed of is behind you right now. It's there. And let me tell you this, the most beautiful thing that's behind you is not the relationship that was ruined. It's not the dream that you wish that you had. It's not all the things that you lost. Instead, it is God's grace. And maybe those things are scattered somewhere in that valley of beauty, but the true beauty is God's grace and God's forgiveness because it gives you freedom to run into that scenery and to truly live. You're free. Amen. Stand on up and sing.